The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. I want to talk to you, I mentioned him briefly early, but uh, Johnny Saint. And uh, thinking back now, um, 1981, you had a couple of matches with him, late 1981. And uh, I think Bedworth in in Warwickshire, uh, you had a match with him where you actually went over. And then five days later, you fought him again in Banbury, Oxfordshire, for his lightweight world title. Do you remember those matches and, and what was it like to wrestle Johnny? Because I don't think you wrestled Johnny that frequently throughout your career. Uh, but those are two that stand out, certainly in 1981. Yeah, I don't remember those actual matches, but um, Johnny Saint was a fantastic work, mm. you know. Again, you know, and John was a, is, 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 you know, he's, he phoned me the other day, actually. Johnny's a, a gentleman, you know, and um, it was just a pleasure to wrestle John. I mean, you know, John based himself on the great George Kidd. I don't know if you've ever heard of George Kidd, have you, John? Or was it... um, honestly, no, but uh, I will certainly look him up for sure. Johnny Kidd was the world lightweight champion from Scotland. And um, as John sort of based himself on him. It was just fantastic. You know, people like Johnny Saint come along once in a lifetime, you know. Another great uh, professional was John Cortez. Have you ever heard of John Cortez? I have, yes. Just fantastic. And, uh, you know, these are the people that, when I was a kid, that they would put me on with to learn. So, you know, if you can't learn off people like that, you know, you're not going to learn off anybody. And probably the person that helped me the most, I don't know if you're familiar with his name, was Zoltan Boschik. Uh, I am indeed. He's come up before in one of these episodes. Yeah. A- absolutely phenomenal. And um, a lot of people... When I tell a lot of people that, especially when I told Danny Collins that, Danny Collins said to me, really? He beat me up every night and went on with him. But, oh. but Zolly for me and Sid Cooper, Stevie Gray, I couldn't have had better teachers, you know, that was just fantastic. And yeah, Zolly, I don't even ever heard of this, but there were years ago, just sort of when I came in, it was just ending. Used to get nobbins in the ring. Have you heard of nobbins? No, please enlighten me. Where the crowd would put money, would throw money in. And um, I had a match at Colston Hall. I can remember this with Zolly. And um, it was a 50-pound side stake. And Zolly went over and... I said, well, you know, I can't pay. I'm not rich enough. 50 pounds was a lot of money in those days. So oh, they yeah. took put the bucket round and the crowd collected 20, they collected 27 quid, which was a lot of money then. You know, that's what it was like. That's how, that's how they believed it in those days. I mean, it'd be like someone putting a tenner in the bucket now. Yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. And um, I think you had uh, matches with Johnny Saint a bit later on in your career as well. And uh, I think... 2009 might have been your last match with, with Johnny Saint. Um, oh. And I know there was a bit of a resurgence uh, regarding uh, superstars from the golden era coming back in the 2000s. But uh, do you remember your match with, with Johnny in 2009, which I think probably would, would have been the last match that you had with him? That for LDN, I think. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Steve yeah. Gray would have been the special referee, I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John was just—you couldn't go wrong if you were on with John. You know, he, he was just a fantastic. Even as he, and John always kept himself in great shape as well, and still does. You know, he still does his squats and his press ups every day. You know, and uh, he, he, he might want me saying he—you know—he is uh, past retirement age now, but. Um, still keeps himself in great shape he's always been light john you know he's always been lithe and and yeah a, a great man and a gentleman to go with it as well you know yeah and i think he still uh participates and helps out with uh, marty's gym from time to time and yeah. uh, takes training sessions there on a regular basis yeah i believe he does and colin johnson i believe go to marty's yeah to right. help couldn't get you couldn't get three better professionals than them, you know, all fantastic professionals. And um, all, again, from the golden era, you know. So Absolutely, yeah. Did you do the, the hol holiday camps much, uh, Mel? Uh, I know you said you had a busy schedule, uh, you know, six, seven days a week. But uh, did you ever do the holiday camps much back in the golden era? And I'm not being precocious when I say this, but um, the holiday camp, I mean, there's some fantastic, workers on the holiday camps but uh they were sort of fellas that never had an, had the offer from dow martins in those days you know i'm not saying they were second tier yeah. but they were fellas that weren't lucky enough to sort of make it into the main promotions that did holiday camps but there was some fantastic mel stewart being one of them you know he was when i came in you know mel stewart had sort of left the camps and we used to go backwards and forwards but he used to do the camps and but they'd have they'd have to wrestle four times a day sometimes and yeah. put the and it wouldn't be for me but um they had a great time of course because i was traveling all over the country and you know brian dixon had them on the holiday camps you know it, that was more dixon than max crabtree brian would run butlins and those places but i never yeah. really I did the odd one here and there, but not. I was never on them full time. You know, I never did them full time. I mean, speaking of Brian Dixon and like I say, the, the dearly departed, recently departed Brian Dixon. Um, yeah. You started wrestling for All Star Promotions, All Star Wrestling, in about '85. Yeah. Before that, you was with Dale Martin and Joint Promotions pretty much up until then, and then you kind of worked, um, you know, a little bit of All Star, a little bit of Joint Promotions. But I think there, there was a point in the eighties where, you know, you had to kind of draw your line in the sand really and either work for one or work for the other. But then it reached a stage where it became a bit more relaxed and, and more talent went over to all star. I don't know quite why that was, you know, either to get away from the crab trees or the money might've been different or the schedule might've been different. But what were the circumstances around your career in mid eighties that made you switch over to all star? Well, it was, it was the money really. Yeah. Um, and also a lot of fellas had gone like Rocco and Johnny Saint, you know, I mean, I, I remember my, I can't remember a lot, but my first match for Dixon was at Hemel Hampstead and it was Rocco and Rocky Moran against myself and Johnny Saint. And, uh, it was almost a riot and, um, Dixon came out and was very pleased with the results. And, um, I think he offered me another 15 quid or whatever that I was getting for, in those days before Dal Martin. So it was a big, you know, when you're wrestling five nights a week, it's it, it's a big uh, increase. So, but that, that was, and it was also sort of getting a bit 
Stow. I like nothing against Max Crabtree because Max Crabtree was all, has always been fantastic to me. I, I wouldn't say a word against him. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think it was the money in those days. But um, yeah, it was great. You know, because a, a lot of the fellas that had gone, I knew, you know, so there was fellas I didn't know, but most of the stars that had gone from Dow's, I knew them. So, um, yeah, it was just a great, that was a great time. That was a great era when Dixon, you know, got the, um, just got the TV as well. And wrestling, yeah. Yeah, wrestling. Well, now if they've sold 88,000 tickets at Wembley, but um, yeah, it was, it, it was a great time to be around the business then. Absolutely. And you've obviously got uh, many fond memories of, of Brian Dixon and, and many years of wrestling for him and all-star wrestling. Any any fond or funny memories that stick out in particular of your time with Brian? Oh, well, we were great fans, of, both great fans of Bernard Manning, the comedian. Right. So we would always be telling jokes. and uh, <laughs> I, I never had a crossword with him. Never had a crossword in all the years. Not much. And... Um, yeah, that the really the too many to mention. You, they all sort of blend into one because you was having such a great time that um, none of them really. No, I remember when I had my last match for him, uh, on with James at Gravesend in two thousand and seventeen, and I was on after the interval, and I don't know if he was too, maybe not well, maybe the starting of him not being well, yeah. and he was going home and. He came to see me and he said, well, Mal, this is it. And I said, yeah. And he actually had like tears in his eyes and he hugged me and said, you know, thanks for all the laughs. And thanks. For That's probably the, the greatest memory of him. And um, just to see that he was a bit moved, that it, I wasn't going to be around anymore. And uh, yeah, that was a big compliment. And, and I, I liked him very much. I Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've had nothing but uh, uh, fantastic memories uh, for Brian Dixon because I've recently had uh, James Mason on and, and uh, Lee Bamber um, and various others kind of all paying tribute and now yourself. But um, I, I want to talk a bit about Danny Boy Collins now, if, if we can, because uh, I mentioned that King of Trios match in Wolverhampton six years ago, which was uh, one of your, um, probably your second to last match uh, alongside James and, and uh, Danny Boy. Um, but uh, I mean, you had... You had Many great encounters with uh, Danny Boy Collins, uh, especially in the mid eighties, eighty six and eighty seven, um, and then you, your paths crossed again through the nineties, um, and then of course that uh, final match in twenty seventeen. But uh, I mean, he was another pioneer. He started in the business very, very young. Was very popular with with the crowds and with the audiences. Uh, what What are your memories of of working with Danny Boy? Yeah, Danny was fantastic. I remember him coming in as a as a young lad from Bristol. I knew his mum and dad, because his mum and dad used to go to Colston Hall, you know, in Bristol there. And um, I think he's changed his name now, but it was Colston Hall in those days. And um, he was just a great lad and very respectful, Dan. And he just had that something. You knew and you knew when someone come in the business, either they had it or they didn't have it. James Mason had it. You know, you knew. Uh, just by working with them for five minutes, you you just knew if someone had it or didn't have it. There was lots that didn't have it and make it, you know, but James and Danny, you just, they were, and you could, you know, you knew if you was on with them, you were going to get a lot of reaction and, you know, you, especially at Bristol. I wasn't a villain in those days. I was a blue eye. Um, but Danny was like that 
there at Bristol, like I used to get the heat like that at Croydon when I was a blue eye, you know, so that was his hometown. Croydon was my own place, but yeah, just fantastic. Danny's traveled the world, you know, and uh, made a good living out of it. And um, I, I miss the camaraderie. I miss, I miss seeing the fellas. I miss, we, we, Danny, it would have you laughing from morning till night. You know, we just got on so well. And um, yeah, they were just got, that's what I miss most, the dressing room, the camaraderie. I wouldn't be able to do what I did now because my body wouldn't let me. But, um, you know, that's why the reunions were great when we had those Southern reunions <clears throat> and the Northern reunions as well. Yeah. But I can't get to as many now because Leeds is quite away from Eastbourne. So I do try and get to as many as I can. I can't go this year because I'm going on holiday the day after, but going to Spain. But I try and support Darren and Peter Thompson in the Northern reunion because they do a great job. And um, it's just so lovely to see all those other. I mean, I spent more time with those people than I did, did with my own family. You know, in those days, they were my family. Yeah. So it's like seeing family again that you haven't seen for years. Yeah. And um, one person that I haven't really spoke too much about uh, in any of these Legends Masterclass, but uh, um, I think it's it's more relevant in uh, your interview than anybody else's, and that's Steve Gray. Um, because uh, Steve, I think, is linked to your career pretty much throughout your journey, and, and you've had many, many matches with him uh, through the decades. Um, but uh, like I say, Steve Gray will always be one of them wrestlers that's kind of interlinked with your your story and your journey won't he mel start to finish my first television bout against steve gray and he looked after me then and he refereed my last match against james mason and he looked after me then and just a fa another fantastic professional you you know if you had to give him marks out of 10 you'd give him 11. you know that's the, that's my reckoning of steve and pe other people would say the same you know fantastic no no bother about winning or losing um, and a few of them did have problems winning and losing um but not with steve and yeah they're just great matches his timing was fantastic and when i turned villain even better because then we had this feud going in the 80s you know me and steve we had three or four television matches you know that and the feud was going and yeah and that was fast and f when i watch those back now occasionally and they're fast and furious my back aches watching them <laughs> <laughs> oh brilliant i'd love to get steve on i'm gonna have to try and get in touch with him i think he'd make a, an excellent guest on the on the legends Masterclass for sure but um yeah and i'm guessing that your styles complemented one another as well when you're in the ring mel i i, I hope so we didn't have any problems um there was a, a fellow called Ken Joyce said once, he said, Daddy doesn't want you on before him because you nick all the heat. So we the end, but that's a great compliment. That can only be a compliment, can't it? Because, um, you know, Steve was a great professional, a great professional. I think Steve's still, I think he's still refereeing some around the place sometimes. But um, like myself, uh, time and tired wait for no man. So, you know, we're not getting any younger. But, yeah. um, some people just can't, I mean, you find it very hard to let go of the game. When it's been your life, it's very difficult to let go of it. And um, I've just about managed it now. But other people, you know, they sort of hang on. And I couldn't referee. Steve 
referees, he's there from match one to match four or what, match five. I couldn't do that personally, but Steve likes it. So, you know, that's great. Do you remember when Owen Hart came over to the UK about 87? Because I think you were one of the, the British stars that had a match with Owen Hart. Um, I think Marty Jones might have been another. Uh, Johnny Saint might have been another. But I know Owen Hart frequently came over to the UK. Yeah, he he travelled the world. I think he wrestled in Japan. Obviously, we know him from Canada and what he did in the States. But uh, he, he enjoyed coming over to the UK. And you were one of the stars during that golden era, certainly 1987, uh, that he wrestled. Do you remember wrestling Owen Hart? Ooh, a fantastic worker. I remember wrestling his brother, Bret Hart. Really? Wow. Tell me about it. Woke. And um, he was, he just, they used to send, Stu Hart used to send them over. And there was four or five sons, you know, there was, uh, Bruce was another one. Keith, uh, yeah. They would uh, sort of wrestle the British fellas to get him in the way, you know, of the world of sport you know, technique. And I, I remember wrestling Brett at, um, at Woking. And uh, that's the only time I think I wrestled him. I wrestled Owen a few times. I wrestled him at Croydon and a few other places. But I met Brett Hart about five or six years ago. And he said to me, hey, Mal, whatever, whatever happened to the blonde bombshell? <laughs> and I said, this is what happened to him. <laughs> Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. He'd had a stroke and um, wasn't very well. I, I I hope he's better. I think he is better now. But um, I know he wasn't very well at one time. But um, yeah. again, but learned a lot of his a lot of his uh, skill from fellas in England. You know, the same as the Dynamite Kid, the same as the Bulldogs. I wrestled Davy Boy and Tommy a lot. You know, I wrestled Davy the Bulldog when he was a boy. Wrestled him on TV when he was a boy, you know. But you, and he had a bit about him. You can just, you, know, you can tell if they've got it or not. Um, yeah. Big, big now, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I, I think you took a bit of a break from the business uh, between 1988 and 1992. Is that about right? And if so, was there a reason why you kind of stepped away for them four years? Mm -hmm. Maybe you're a little bit quieter on the scene, or yeah. I think um, children. Life, yeah. My children were born and, you know, I didn't want to sort of be a dad that never, ever saw them. I mean, I was still I was still on the road a little bit. But um, obviously, I mean, you know, because you've got children that, you know. Indeed, yeah. Things in your life. And, um, yeah, I, I just wanted to be around when they were you know, kids and take them to school and pick them up from school and all those silly things that you do. And, uh, yeah, I was never away from the business. I was always working, but um, maybe not working as, but it takes its toll on you as well. You know, when you're up and down the motorway, when you're doing, you know, I remember Sid Cooper used to drive a lot of the way. He used to have to have his car serviced every month, 10 miles. You know, that's what it was like in those days. Yeah. You know, just everywhere you were just everywhere and um i'm not talking about locally i'm talking about you were you know you were in scotland sometimes and then you were in devon and then you were in folkestone and then you were in leicester it was just a constant stream of up and down the country you know 
Mm. You mentioned about the grinds and uh, some of the stitches that you had in your face and your body. Were, were there any serious injuries that you suffered along the way? Any niggling injuries or anything that kind of hampered you uh, during your prime? Uh, I had eight stitches in my head at the Albert Hall against McManus. They had to take me to hospital and stitch my head because I was losing so much blood without giving me an injection, which was quite painful. There are pictures of that around. Um, the thing is, you you don't think you you because you were so fit, you would heal very quickly in those mm. days. If you pulled anything, not like today, if you pulled a muscle today, I'd still be working on it at Christmas. But in those days, you know, you'd heal in a couple of days, and also wrestling helps it because you know you were moving around and you were warm and you know you you just when you're fitter obviously you repair a lot quicker than when you're not fit but um it, but that's not saying you didn't get any i mean you know there were some big bumps people used to take i didn't used to take that many i'm i'm known in the business as not taking many bumps sensible very sensible yeah <laughs> those that did I mean, poor Marty now, he took fantastic bumps, but he's suffering with bad legs and stuff. And a lot of the boys, you know, are suffering with ailments that, you know, they took these fantastic bumps. But um, yeah. I was more, be a bit more sensible. But, um, yeah, I'm still, I mean, I'm, I'm still doing my running and I'm still doing my weights. So I'm, I'm okay, you know. But obviously there's, you get a bad back now and again or you get a bad shoulder or whatever. You know, you're not invincible, but... Um, I managed to sort of steer away from too many bad injuries. Yeah. And uh, I've spoken to, I think, one or two legends in the past, but in the early to mid 2000s, um, a lot of the golden era stars seemed to kind of make a bit of a, a comeback and a bit of a resurgence and promotions like Premier Promotions, the FWA, WAW, and of course, All Star were bringing back the likes of yourself and Steve Gray, Johnny Kidd. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ricky Knight, Robbie Brookside, Brian Maxine, um, and, and all these gold era stars. And it, it kind of almost, uh, there was this resurgence all of a sudden, 20 years after the peak. Uh, yeah. Do you remember that? Because it, it, it was uh, another bit of a uh, another bit of a peak for British wrestling when all these stars came back. Yeah, that was great as well, because, um, you know, obviously you've got new people in the business, but, yeah. but they were sort of old names and you knew you know they were going to draw good houses and you knew it was going to be a great match if you were on with them you know and um yeah that was a, it was a great time i mean up to sort of 95 i would say was you know from 77 so i had sort of 20 20 years uh, at the sort of near the top yeah. you know you know you're not so much involved and other people take over and so you know and that's fine but as long as they show you respect when they see you and as long which and they all were very respectful the people so it, you got a lot of people in those days that used to come in the business and thought they knew it all and those were the people that never got on really you know those are people that because they were brought to a, a short sharp stop but i had a great time in the business and you know there's not many people that i couldn't call a friend there's not many people that i wouldn't want to talk to. there are a couple but not many yeah. and and you and it was great camaraderie that was the best thing it was the camaraderie was fantastic and um that's what i miss that's what i miss you know yeah 
who would you say, if you were to maybe shortlist uh, the top one, two or three of, of some of your favourite opponents or some of your favourite people to get into the ring with, whether it be, you know, some of the best matches you've had or just having great fun in the ring. But uh, there are kind of three names that you can uh, list out that might be your, your favourite three to step in the ring with. Well, for reaction, um, Stevie Gray, um, you've, got, you've got to say Rocco. Because you knew if he was on with Rocco. I know a lot of people, you know, knew they were going to get hurt when they went on with him. I would have worked with him every night of the week. He was, yeah, it was fantastic. Um, and probably Johnny Saint. Yeah, I mean, you know, that was always a clean match and a very technical match. And um, you knew if he was on with these guys, everything was going to be okay. You know, if you're on with them in a big show, like you got, and I'm talking about, probably a thousand people watching. You weren't going to be made to look before or, or try to make them look before. It was going to be a good time and you were going to be okay. You know, there's a lot of fellas that were in the business that were difficult to work yeah. with. You know, I, I, wouldn't, I won't mention names. No. And some made it difficult on purpose, you know, because you'd got on and you were maybe a name and they weren't it. You know, and it, it didn't do you any good and it didn't do them any good. But they're probably, yeah, the top three. They're probably the top three. Absolutely. And we've spoken about all of those during the course of this interview. And uh, if you've got maybe, uh, what are some of your proudest memories or maybe your proudest memory of being in the business for 40 years? You've probably got a lot of highlights and, you know, a lot of great memories. But do you have like maybe one or two really proud memories that will Ask live with that. you forever? They asked me that today. And um, like I told you, with the with the incident with Big Daddy and Stevie Gray, when it took us ten minutes to get in the ring, yeah. uh, I've probably got too many joiners. And I know that might sound precocious, but it it's not. It doesn't. It's not meant to. I mean, I, I was very very lucky, and I had some you know fantastic times in the game. And obviously, working at the Albert Hall being on television, uh, working at Fairfield Hall, they were all prestigious venues. But no, just being around, just being lucky enough yeah. to be around such fantastic people. Yeah, and uh, I suppose one proud memory might be that you've been entered into the uh, British Wrestlers Hall of Fame. Uh, that's uh, something certainly to be proud of and uh, a memory that will live with you forever. And let's say just that acknowledgement uh, from your peers as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a great one for certificates and medals, you know. <laughs> from that. But um, I just take all the great memories that all these people have given me. And as I said to you before, they were like my family. I saw more of them than I did my actual family. And uh, when I see them now, when I haven't seen them for 10 years, 15 years, it's like meeting up with an old member of the family, and it's fantastic. But too many, really, to, I've had too many great times, and too many, nothing stands out because there was just too many of them. It was all a wonderful journey. It was all a wonderful journey and, and, and still continues to be. But uh, uh, Mel Sanders, it's been awesome speaking to you on episode six of the Legends Masterclass. Um, but uh, I just want to thank you so much for your time. You've been a great guest. My pleasure. Thank you very much. And thank you for thinking of me.